I have a topic. Yeah. The briefing we can cover. Yeah. Uh, the, one of the very few positive things about capitalism is that it has given me a way to enjoy Cadbury mini eggs. All around the year. <laughs> All times of the year. But I have to say, the, the branding is skept- skeptical of it. So can I see? This is mini harvest hand What does that even mean? We <laughs> don't and they're bullshit. A heart right, and, so, and there's a bunny on there, Because I guess too. you can't... It's uncredible to stretch that it would be egg-shaped, I guess. Right. You, why wouldn't any other shape, like an apple or, or just pumpkin? like a complete circle. Just do a complete circle yeah. and be like, I don't know, they're chocolate well, they candies. Are, they are circles, but they oh. also have them around Christmas. As, and they're like red, white, and green. And they're yeah. called like harvest... Or they're called like festive balls or something. It's here they're really just like, fuck it, I don't know. No, no, we no, no we've s- got nothing yeah. else. Look, we're going to sell these things. Yeah. doesn't matter. Forget about I think it. They, it it's, you imagine it's like that room where they come up with the name for the hula hoop. <laughs> that's 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 it's like three marketing hoop guys. Sucker. The hoop sucker. Guys. I got it. I got sucker. Oh, I think I may have found some answer on those. Really? The macarons. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry. Not on your questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> not, not, what are these chocolate balls? Of course it's buried. Hold on. Fucking SEO. They're not even all orange. Some of them are yellow. Really? I mean, that makes sense. I feel like the like, like the fall colors are red, yellow. But you could have, I guess, you flavored them as like they're gourds, or because like, everyone loves decorative gourds. That's true. Around, yeah, around it could just be Halloween. decorative gourds. But they're just called harvest handfuls. <laughs> just, just you know, harvest handfuls. What more can one say? I don't know. What don't you get? Harvest handfuls. Cocktail a troubled movie, talk about what worked, what didn't, and how they would fix it. I am Chris. Sit down! Spit a kidney with me, Ravel. I am Brendan. Kill my grouse! Drischler. <laughs> and I am Lee. Buenos tardes, she shines more. Delahanty. <laughs> and if you couldn't tell by our perfectly acted yes. line read and, uh, and nicknames, we watched The Law and the Lady. You're the June foray of our age, Chris Ravel. I, I try. <laughs> That's what they... I've been hearing that for yes. a long time now. That's, wasn't that your Tinder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I, I mean, I was I was just raking them in. Just, I was crushing mad dick. But yeah, uh, it's a 1951 film starring uh, Greer Garson and Michael Wilding and Fernando Lamas. And Fernando Lamas. And Ma Kettle. <laughs> Ma Kettle. I forget her name. Oh, her name is Marjorie Main. Yeah, Marjorie Main. Yeah, it's mostly just them. I mean, I mean, there are other people in it, surely, but like pretty much just them. Directed by Edwin H. Knopf. Ah, right? uh, yes. Are you a Knopf head? I you, not, you cannot get a Knopf. <laughs> Listen, for a while, <laughs> have you the only that show. Yes, I have. For, for the for the only the only the only films I watch would be Knopf. The only books I watch would be Knopf. <laughs> or books I watch. Books I read. I've gone off on off. But yeah, uh, it's a it's a by far now the oldest movie we've yeah, done. Yeah, fuck you, Sword in the Stone. And uh, it's kind of about con people and beautiful dresses and love triangles. It is kind of about con people. Con. 
Con men and con, con women. folk. Con, yes. Um, Conners. So what did we drink? The drink that we made for this movie was called The Last of Mrs. Cheney. And it was two ounces of gin, one ounce of lemon juice, half an ounce of honey chamomile syrup, and some lavender bitters. You basically just throw everything into a shaker with ice, strain it into coupe glasses over a little bit of ice with a little bit of lemon garnish. That's basically it. There's really nothing special you have to do with this drink. Obviously, the honey chamomile syrup, like we said previously, you're pretty much just taking, Lee, what did you do? You double brewed tea, right? I brewed extra strong tea. I put two tea bags into the normal cup of tea. Right. So instead of doing water and honey, you just did strong tea and honey and reduced it to syrup. Yeah, I melted the, I did syrup with tea instead of honey. Yeah. Or tea instead of water. Yeah. Yeah. That thing. The honey was there. I put the honey in the tea, not in the water. And drank them both up. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Called the doctor, woke him up. Yep. Anyway, that was the drink that we had. The Last of Mrs. Cheney. Again, a reference to the play upon which this is based that has no relevance to the actual screenplay <laughs> or plot of this movie. What did you guys think of The Last of Mrs. Uh, Cheney? Did you enjoy her? I did. I, I did enjoy her. It was... Please don't. I don't want to talk about it like it's we drank a lady. We drank a drink I, and it was nice. <laughs> I let her slip right down my No! Throat. Yeah, it was fine. I had, no, I had no qualms with this drink. I don't think it was necessarily one of my favorites, but it was a perfectly pleasant, you know, enjoyable drink. For starting with the ingredients we had, it came out, I mean, obviously looking between the, like, lemon garnish and the coupe glass, but it, it just kind of tasted and felt a lot like a, almost like a, like a Prohibition era. Yeah. Like a gin yeah, drink. It, it does. It, t- it tastes age. appropriately old-fashioned. It does, um, right. I mean, it's, I, it's tea, it's lemon. I don't think it needed the ice. I think it would have been cold enough. Yeah, probably would And the have. ice probably watered it down a bit, yeah. um, ultimately. Um, I think that... Because it kind of borrows a lot from like a bee's knees, um, which I think I frequently have with a little bit of spice in it. Mm. It felt maybe a little like it's again, it's a little like not. I don't use the word bland because it's just more floral because mm-hmm. of the chamomile. Um, maybe but if it's we a used a different taste. bitter or something like maybe yeah, something maybe a little or more... stronger on the bitters yeah. or something. To I probably like... I probably could have like done a few more yeah flicks of it. Something than on I the did. Z- yeah something to give it a little more like. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe we could have gone with the Cajun bitters or something instead, even just to shock it up a little bit. I just, because, you know, we we named our drink after the play and everything, I I just like this note on the film's Wikipedia page that in the original end, Charles leaves and Mrs. Cheney accepts Lord Dilling, who kisses her and declares, that's the last of Mrs. Cheney. It's the last line. And everyone claps and laughs. First of Lady Dilling. Yes. That's because yep. that's the guy's name in yep. the movie. Good drink, but maybe not setting our worlds on fire. Yeah, perfectly fine. Perfectly um, fine drink. And wait, what was this movie about? I yeah. can tell you all about what it. What is the last of Lady Lovely? <laughs> not about it. Or Loverly. Yeah. Living on the yeah, north or south. All right. Here's the plot of this movie. Jane Hoskins, Greer Carson has worked most of her life as a lady's maid and is currently employed by Lord Minden, Micah Wilding, and his haughty wife, Lady Sybil Minden, Lord Minden's younger twin brother, the Honorable and Nigel Duxbury, also played by Michael Wilding, received only £10,000 to his brother's £5 million because his older brother was born five minutes before him and is therefore seen as being the elder sibling in the eyes of the law. Having squandered his money, Nigel sneaks into his brother's home and steals Lady Minden's earrings. Lady Minden accuses her, uh, her maid Jane of the theft until Nigel steps forward and claims responsibility. Jane is angry at being wrongly accused by theft by her employer and decides to quit her job and make her way into high society. 
Nigel is impressed by Jane's attitude and, after securing the earrings in return for never bothering his brother again, he offers to take Jane out for an evening of fine dining. Together, they unintentionally con a wealthy gentleman into believing that Jane is a wealthy widow, the Lady Lovely, or Lovely, <laughs> and that she collects donations for a fictional Egyptian charity called the Nile Fund. At the end of the night, 100 pounds wealthier, Jane makes a business arrangement with Nigel that the two of them should work together as confidence tricksters. Jane and Nigel travel to Monte Carlo, San Remo, and Shanghai, where they cheat at gambling and are repeatedly asked by the authorities to leave the country. Very politely. Very politely. Diplomatically. Yes. Eventually, they make their way to San Francisco, where Nigel suggests they move into jewelry theft. Nigel gets himself a job as a butler named Hoskins. There's so much season there's like an apostrophe before, before Hoskins. As Hoskins what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like it's before, as if Hoskins is like an abbreviated oh. form. Um, in the house of Society Queen and Julia Wharton, played by Marjorie Maine. And Jane befriends Mrs. Wharton and, and is invited. This is a bad sentence. And is invited to the Wharton home as a guest. The two partners plan to lift Julia's diamond necklace during their stay. Julia throws a party in Jane's honor, and her exotic neighbor Juan, played by Fernando Lamas, (laughs) begins to woo Jane. Jane becomes somewhat swept off her feet at Juan's attentions to her, causing Nigel to become jealous. On the first night of her stay, Jane locates Julia's safe and the necklace, but is touched by the lady's kindness towards her and has second thoughts about their plan, so she does not go through with it. The following day, Jane receives a proposal from Juan and decides to accept. Jane and Nigel argue about Jane's decision, and although they share a kiss, they are reluctant to admit their feelings for one another, having long ago agreed that theirs was a strictly business relationship. Jane agree- uh, Jane decides to steal the necklace and give it to Nigel because she is worried about his future now that she will no longer be his partner in crime. Juan sees her give the necklace to Nigel and has already discovered that she is not really Lady Loverly. Juan and his servant apprehend Nigel, and Juan forces himself into Jane's room where she activates the burglar alarm. Realizing that Juan is not going to give her away, Jane reveals that she is a thief to to Julia. Nigel turns up with a letter from one of Julia's other house guests, which contains libelous information with which he and Jane can blackmail Julia and her guests if they decide to turn Jane and Nigel over to the police. The guests bid for ownership of the libelous letter, uh, but Jane decides to give it to Juan for free for his kindness. Julia thinks the whole evening has been a bit of excitement and asks Jane and Nigel to stay on, <laughs> which is a nuts thing. Doesn't no, it really is. It's, it's been a bit known, of excitement. A known thief. <laughs> the following morning, after fighting over Jane the night before, Juan and Nigel inform Jane that they have decided Juan should be the one she ends up with. The Juan? Yep. The Juan. <laughs> Juan should be the Juan. <laughs> the Juan and only. <laughs> Jane reveals her true love for Nigel by yelling at him name. for letting her down and revealing that she has always loved him but that he was too stupid to know it. Juan bows out gracefully, and Jane and Nigel decide to go to go straight and pay back everyone they have stolen money from. Just as they are about to leave, the local sheriff shows up with an inspector from Scotland Yard who reveals that Lord Minton died in a grouse shooting accident and that Nigel is now Lord Minton and receives the fortune. Nigel and Jane are now wealthy, however they are both under arrest for their initial deception of gaining £100 for the Nile Fund. The film ends with them happily going off to do their short jail term before living happily ever after. That's it. That's all she wrote. Is as they say, is the last of Mrs. Yes. James. I actually, I, I have a quick question for you, Lee, regarding that synopsis. There was something in there that I wanted to make sure I hadn't actually missed when we watched the movie. Uh-huh. The synopsis explicitly says something along the lines of, the two of them had long ago agreed that it was a professional business they relationship. Yeah, they Do they say that? I can't remember. In the beginning, when we were uh, talking about probably the Gilded Age or something. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> 
But they when after they have dinner, as we do, and she takes she he like like after their initial they're sort of like kind of both drunk a little bit. Okay, she's like they're sitting outside by the cab. Okay, and they're sort of saying they think they're saying goodbye to each other after having this like brief deception thing. And he's like, well, wait a minute, we could like do this full time. Mm -hmm. I could like teach you how to do this, and we could we've I've got ideas, I've got scams, and she's like, well, I don't know about this, and like we're like you're not trying to like. Get with me. Get weird yeah. with me. Are you? And he's like, no, no, no. It would be because this. I remember this because there's like a. He twists the line around later on. He says, no, our relationship would be incredibly pure, mm-hmm. as in purely business. Right, right. And then later on, when he's dictating the letter for her to write to Julia Wharton, he's like kind of leaning in quite close to her shoulder, and she's like, you're quite close. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, listen, when we met. You said our relationship would be incredibly pure, and he says yes, and now it's purely incredible. <laughs> oh. It's, a, oh, it's a wonderful bit of work. I love it. So anyway, okay. that's what that they do establish. All right, no, that. I, I, that's fine. I'm still just all the more annoyed then that they have like <laughs> this moment of banter, and it's still one of those like idiot ball plot things where it's like, but still, no one can just outright say, why don't we get with each other at this point? Why don't we? Why don't we just do it? Why don't we well, just have sex? If I, if I'm being honest, I, don't, I it's like it's very <laughs> obvious to me, and it's very obvious I think to the audience in the movie that um, Nigel will be simping for her, of course. But it's not really that obvious that she has feelings for him. No, no I know. No, but it's just one of those things where, again, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know where the change is. Like, I guess it's just that when she meets uh, Fernando Lamas and she's like, but I could also have this other guy, I guess, instead. Yeah, I don't really. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't. That's the where I think the movie fails me is this notion that I think it's, it's, it's unique that she ends up with the guy who is quietly sending for her in the background because this never happens. Mm-hmm. Never. It's always the hot, sexy one. Right. It always. What the, the weird thing about that is there is this sort of like, I feel like this bit of dialogue at the end where she's like, I've always loved you is sort of thrown in there to be like... To ju- like justify... Covering right. tracks. Yeah. But yeah. it's like, you could have shown us right. that she always loved him. Mm. Tell, don't show. There's kind of a bit of that with how like she's unwilling to uh, let him get away with, like she she's like oh, listen i know that i'm gonna marry this guy but we'll still steal the necklace that right you can get right away. yeah i have to get i gotta give you that necklace so you'll be <laughs> yeah. covered for the yeah. rest of your days cares about him yeah yeah so there is a bit of that but i don't know i you don't really see a lot of the emotional turmoil it's more just like well i feel bad about leaving him in the lurch right i don't know anyway anyway i'll probably get into, get into that later <laughs> but into it more. yeah um well so what do we think about this in terms of going from the source material to it yeah so adapted? i I had a journey on this. I can yeah. go over it. So I um, I recommended this movie. I Prior to recommending this movie um, for the podcast, I'd only seen this version of it, being vaguely aware that it was an adaptation of the play. I did not know that there were previous movie incarnations of it. I never bothered to really look that up, um, despite it being readily available <laughs> in the hot headlines. Yes, despite if you had just gone to Wikipedia, it would be there. Article. It just never occurred to me. I don't know. Before doing the po- before watching it for the podcast, I went and I found the. There's two movie versions of the play. Yeah, one from 29. And one right. from 37. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's the obviously the play, which right. Brendan amazingly dug up. You found the screenplay. Yeah. The, the play I for. couldn't believe I could, actually. Rather, yeah. <laughs> Legitimately that shocked I found crazy. it. It's yeah. pretty shocking. I watched the 37 movie, which I was like, wow, this is a lot different from Along the Lady. Mm-hmm. And then I read the play, and I was like, this is a lot different from the 1937 movie. Right. 
So they're all they're all quite different. The thirty seven movie is definitely a lot closer to the play than That's it is the, to Unleashed. Right. So my my only familiarity is that I've read Wikipedia articles about yeah. the play, that version, and I've seen this movie. And yeah. that was my takeaway that when I first read that is that the thirty seven movie, while you know obviously on Wikipedia you're just getting a synopsis of it, felt more or less more faithful to the plotting of the play. Yeah. So the big differences that the Law and the Lady makes. The, the big, vast differences are they shift it from taking place in England to taking place in San Francisco, mm-hmm. which is a pretty big cultural shift, mm-hmm. um, which also means that the love interest goes from being this sort of, like, witty, sort of dilettante... Uh, gentleman thief. British snot. No, no, no not, not Gentleman not thief. Because the, the love interest, again, in the movie and the play oh, right, is right, right, the right. Lord character, Lord Arthur Dilling, who right. would, turns into Fernando Lamas, but in the English play and in the movie... He's a sort of like kind of roguish, scampy, dilettante noble who's kind of known for being um, a flirt and a playboy, uh, sleeps with a lot of married women and also drinks a lot and doesn't do a lot of valuable things with his time or money prior to like meeting Faye Cheney. And, and therefore, Faye Cheney, who is the, the lady in question in the movie, like won't give him the time of day because it's well known that he's like, you know, he's going to flirt with you because that's what he does. And she's like, like, whatever. I don't know what you think you're going to get out of me, man. I'm here to steal a necklace. But they like he, he actually seems to genuinely fall in love with her for some weird reason. Um, and they end up together. Um, so that is the, the love interest in the movie. And that kind of shifts quite drastically to this like Fernando Lamas character who is... A very much more virtuous kind of a guy. And he's definitely not a lord. I mean, I guess they keep he's, in the detail about him well, being He's sort of like noble, but not rich. Yeah. Royalty. I mean, like, he's certainly well off, to be clear. He, he has, like, what, 800 pigs yeah. or something? Like, he has, like, a farm, which is presumably some level of income. And they say that his grandmother is, like, what, like, Connected the grandniece of, like, the king of Spain or some yeah. shit. So there's a lot of, like, money. I think that they, they're, he's just more, like, invested. He's the op- He's kind of the opposite of Lord Dilling in that respect because he seems very passionate about the ranch and his work. Right. Um, he's actually putting effort into his yes. fortune, too. And he's he cares about horses. He cares about the ranch. He cares about the pigs. He is. He does still sleep with a lot of women. They imply that he does. He does sleep around a lot. And bit of a bit of a dog. Yeah, but he's a much nicer version version of the character, I would say. But also less like less witty. I guess is what I want to say. Like less verbose and less witty, and more just kind of like earnest and upfront. I mean, I would say he's almost a stereotypical Latin Lothario type he, character who sort yeah. of comes in like handsome and charming with like a sexy accent and, yeah. you know, bulls you over because he's like so handsome and smooth. Basically, Not yeah. because of any particular quality. Yeah. And it, it's, it kind of puts him in a bit, for my money, again, we can get into this, but a bit at odds with um, her character because her character is quite evenly matched with a person like Lord Dilling where they have a lot of like in the play in the movie Last Time is Chaney they have a lot of like verbal back and forth yeah you know with with him and her it's it's more just like she has to kind of be this like swooning kind of lady which is not really the case in the movie in the play it's more of a gradual thing where she's like kind of you can see that she's kind of charmed despite herself by this kind of asshat who is a known flirt, but is, like, having a hard time believing him. Um, so it's, anyway, it's a different vibe. The other big difference is, is that the play is contemporary. It was written in 1925. Mm-hmm. I think the 37 movie probably takes place in 37. Yeah, probably around the same time period. Yeah, um, and the movie, Along the Lady, in 1951, takes place in, like, at the turn of the century. Turn, right, so late 1890s, So, like, it's, like, definitely, like, probably. Edwardian. Like, yeah. electricity is a, a novelty. Yes. <laughs> 
Um, it's horse-drawn carriages. Right. Everyone's wearing the old Edwardian dresses. A lot of ruffles. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ruffle shoulders. Ruffle city. Um, yes. We also... Uh, it should also be noted that Law and the Lady is the title of a completely unrelated novel that they use. Yeah. For yeah. Bizarrely, when adapting movie. the play for the third time, <laughs> they chose to adapt it with a different name as right. well. So in addition to all of those other changes, it's also called something different. And also... My understanding, too, is that the lengthy prologue sequence of this movie yeah, is not in the other, play at all. My next like, was, basically yeah. everything, you know, the, you see the backstory of the two of them yeah. meeting and her getting fired, the scenes of them in foreign countries, swindling people, all of that is implied, yeah. but not actually also, shown. Well, the big differences there are, number one, Nigel, who is Charles in the play and the movie, the older movies, is... Not like a rich noble guy who decides to be a scum, a, a scoundrel. He's just, I think he's just a career criminal. Uh-huh. They, we don't know because we never see. But right. it's implied that she learned that Faye Cheney is also like a, a woman of humble origins. Um, and that she was taken under Charles's wing at some point, And Charles was like some sort of criminal mastermind guy that taught her everything she knows. And then they have a very close working relationship that I don't, th- I, again, I'm unclear. I don't think is is strictly implied explicitly to be a romantic but i think it could easily be interpreted as such by an actor or a director if you would like it to be if mm-hmm. you're a player if you're directing the play i think the movie with million powell definitely tilted that way <laughs> like there's definitely like a lot of implied intimacy there mm. there's like when he comes into her room in the second act of the movie they're like they like kiss in a way that i'm like that doesn't seem <laughs> quite like i can't really see where your mouth is going i don't think that's the cheek Um, so you don't know how they met or anything it just starts with like kind of starts in media rest with like in the play it's just like her at this garden party so she's already fancy lady scamming people already being a fancy lady already meeting the people she's gonna steal from in the movie it starts a bit earlier but like again just her meeting the people that she's going to be scamming and, and stealing from it's all about like the first scene is about like I have to get an invitation to like this rich lady's house where her necklace is so I can get the necklace and then it always has the uh, the letter that the rich guy has to, is another rich guy that also wants to fuck her, that has to write a libelous letter that is then used as like a sort of get out of jail free card at the end. Via yes. blackmail, basically. Via blackmail. Yes. And there's this element in the movie and the play and, and in The Long Lady of like her feeling bad about stealing from these people ultimately. But I would argue that the play and the last of Mrs. Cheney don't do a good job of it as much because... Um, f- from where I was standing, the rich people there are just universally kind of dumb, sucky, and, yeah. and sucky, and awful people. <laughs> yeah. um, and I don't know where where your affection for them comes from. Whereas in Law and the Lady, Julia Wharton's a laugh riot and right. more of a crazy lady, and you you would feel bad about stealing a necklace right. from her. Yeah, those are the main differences. Well, there's the ending, right? Who she ends up with. Well, yeah. So in the, yeah, so that's I'm gonna say leading into the fact that like Charles, that Nigel is is a very different character to Charles. There's a lot more focus on him, and there isn't because there isn't really a romantic thing. The movie and the play are mostly about her in the end deciding that she's going to marry Lord Dilling and stop being a crazy lady. And I think in both cases, um, Charles, the criminal mastermind partner, just sort of quietly agrees with the cop to go to jail and doesn't tell her that he's going to jail. It's just like, well, I'm, I'm out. It's a good ending. Yeah. <laughs> He's he's a simp, man. Yeah, he's simp. He, he does. Truly simp. Is. He's, he's for her the biggest right? fucking simp in any movie I think we've ever covered. This guy, huh? The biggest simp yeah, in any is, movie yeah. we've ever covered. In every version of this play, Charles and or Nigel, he be simping. 
we, we talked about this briefly last episode too, but when you think about the history of the written word and dramatic works throughout humanity and how many plays and stories and things like that have been written throughout the years and just kind of fall by the wayside. And, you know, you think about how, like, you know, yes, we still do Shakespeare today, but how many other plays have mm-hmm. been put on in the, the centuries past that you just simply don't remember anymore? Like, what can one say about these plays? These, you know, is, is it a shame that these dramatic works kind of fall by the wayside well, and they're I mean, not obviously really done anymore? Vary, but... Right. And then I see something like this and I'm like, you know what? Sometimes we're right not to care about old plays. <laughs> I don't I think, think so. I don't. I mean, I think it's fine. I think it's just like there are probably plenty of Elizabethan plays that were B movies. Right. No. I'm, yeah. And I'm not saying we should hold every and people found them amusing at the time, but right. they didn't stick. And again, I'm not saying that like every play should be held with a level of reverence just because it was something that yeah. someone did. But it is one of those things where it's just like you th- you think about how this was kind of the dominant form of entertainment for so long throughout human history. Yeah. How many plays you know are actually produced with any sort of regularity today? You know, like it's true. These like these, so many of these plays just have no relevance to us. Yeah. In a modern day. Well, it was that review on the remember? Yeah. That, right. That was like it's was not it? a very it's not a very good sort of play, but it is a very good, good play, play of, of its, its sort. sort. Yeah. It was just such a great scathingly yeah backhanded. Back- Backhanded review, right? Like just sort of like for what it is, it's yeah, fine. It's fine, which I I think would I, I would agree with. Frankly, it's it's you know it's a light entertainment. It's, yeah, I mean again, again, having not read the play or seen any of the other adaptations of the movie, I'm inclined to think I would have enjoyed them slightly more, but I cannot say for sure. Yeah, I mean I I find the the older incarnations of this a, a bit dull and old-fashioned because it, they sort of generally go into this idea of, Even like... Even worse than this. I guess, but I think the, the, the play itself... Well, first of all, I think the play is maybe trying to do something the movie takes away, the 37th movie, where it's trying to make this point about... Um, Rich people are just as scummy as poor people mm-hmm. because there are other um, servants that work from Faye Cheney that are also just criminals that are waiting for the, her, their share of the jewels. I wish we got that in this. Yeah. And and all of those, they have this scene afterwards where all the rich people leave and they're like, you know, I, I didn't think I would like rich people so much, but they're pretty cool. They're pretty crazy. They're just like us. They're a good time, yeah. Celebrities. And they have a bunch of like... They're just like us, but they're grinding us under their heel. I'm like massively paraphrasing. It's quite dense and quite British and old-fashioned and verbose, but it's very dry and very woody, this play. There's a lot of like fancy language and to-do about comparing like... The, the poor and the rich and how, like, I thought that the poor people would take you down, but these rich people, they'll really fuck you up. <laughs> verbally or whatever. So, yeah, there's a lot of, like, that. There's a lot of... So I think that the author might be trying to be a bit satirical, maybe. Yeah. Um, the movie would never dare. It's Hollywood. <laughs> so, right. the, so the movie just sort of ends up with, like, a bunch of horrible rich people, one of whom is, is like, fucking someone that she claims is her cousin which is clearly not her cousin and it's clearly somebody that she's fucking and he's like oh it's my cousin so he has to come with me everywhere and I also get, buy him things <laughs> the 37 movie to be her not this one yeah yeah yes. not the movie but the, third, the 51 movie has a guy that has a wife and another, another An woman identical. who looks bizarrely identical to her just like his right. wife which is not 
any joke. It's not like there is a bit where it's like he's having an affair with a woman who looks almost identical yeah. to his wife. It's just that everyone looks alike, kind of. We also don't spend a lot of time. These people, right? No, it's, it's so weird to me that this whole this whole subplot, this like Deus Ex Machina thing of this libelous letter detailing everyone's sins, is this major part of the story that clears up so much trouble for Julia, and yet the people that it's referencing are barely in the movie. Like, you see them, there's one scene in the beginning when they first get to the well, house. Yeah, they're at the, the party, and then they don't show up again until the end, and they all pour in, and they're like, this aha, is, This is shit. what you lose, because in instead of that, you get act one of uh, casino montage, and, right. like, how did they become thieves? Whereas act one would normally be at the house meeting with all people. the rich right, people. Right. right, which I think, frankly, is a better use of your time than having to yeah. detail multiple scenes see, of them traveling places, conning people out of money, and then being asked to leave. I sort of disagree. I mean, I think it depends on what you're you're trying to tell, but like, I think I sort of disagree only because none of these, none of it matters in the end. Like if we're saying the letter is it, which I agree is kind of like a silly deus ex machina. Why the fuck do I have to spend so much time learning about all of these dumb rich people? Right. I mean, again, to I be quite about. clear, we could already eliminate the letter as a point because Julia is just like, I don't want to press charges at all. Right. I had yeah. a lot of fun today. Right. Which I, but it's, I also think, I mean, that's also a bit bonkers. Frankly. No, it is. I mean, to be fair, I think she's kind of like enough of a sockdologizing old man trap that yeah. you could accept her just kind of <laughs> launching into and this and being like, it was such fun. I don't care. It's just crazy enough to enforce that on everyone right. else. Like, it's, like, it's also, no one else better. Right. And also to be fair, like no one else was explicitly wrong yeah. by her. So like she was the only one who had something actually stolen or was going to have something actually stolen. So if even if she said like, I'm not going to press charges, what could anyone else do? Because they weren't affected by this in any yeah. way, shape, or form. So like, again, you could omit the letter even entirely. And if you wanted to include, I mean, you you know, you keep it in if you wanted to include what you said, Lee, the whole thing about how, like, rich people are scumbums also, as like just yeah. as poor people are, which this movie, like you said, has no real interest in kind of dealing with as a theme or subplot. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, like, this is kind of my recurring weird thing with this movie is that this movie is setting up, like, strange complications for itself that it doesn't seem fit to like deal with. There's also another change is that what's her love interest name? The British, the one who I don't care for. The British guy. Nigel Duxbury? Yeah, him. How he is the identical twin brother of her boss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this never matters. So my first assumption when I saw this movie is that it would be something like when he goes to America, he's pretending to be his identical twin brother because people will be like, my God, this rich guy, like let's bend over backwards to accommodate him. But instead he pretends to be a butler and she pretends to be the same woman she's been pretending to be the entire time. Yeah. So it just I just have to wonder when reading this, why are they identical twin brothers? Why did this you is, throw that in? You've said this so many times, and it's really... It is, I think it's interesting, because I've seen this movie, like, many, many times, mm-hmm. and it, it never really flagged to me as something that I was meant to think was important. I just was like... I mean, I think the, the reason why I mostly think it's important is because it's not in the source material. So I'm just wondering why, when someone was adapting this, they're like, well, we have to make them identical twins. And it's just like, to what purpose? For, I, for to my what money, if I had to, again, I think I've answered this before off mic, but I'll answer it again now. For my money, if I had to answer that question, I would say because they make a point about trying to rationalize why his character feels so driven towards crime or unjust in his in like why he feels like he needs more than he has because the fact that he they are twins means he was only born five minutes later but gets like a fraction of right and I think that's fair I think you could still make the same point without them being twins though considering that's still applicable as well I mean like you have that line about like by five minutes you're the elder 
So maybe that's maybe the, the, they wanted to like really drive home a point about like you know five minutes made all the difference. Maybe um, I don't know. Maybe the the director. Old Edwin really just wanted to do a fun camera trick, and you know what I mean. And Perhaps he did. And have have it could, yeah, it could have just been. We don't want to cast have Wilding play two different people. I think that it, I it, like again, like it's a choice, I guess. But it, it did, never struck me as like it's like that an alarm should go off as like. No, I don't think it's like the most egregious change that someone has ever made. But it's just one of those things that I have to question: Why was this choice made? You know, I like that's just any time a choice like this is thrown in, you just have to ask yourself: Well, why did someone choose to throw well, this in? Like, let's say, again, you, I mean, it's hard to picture it, but if you didn't know that this was adapted from anything else, you just saw this ignorant of that, and you just saw, like, the first five minutes of this movie, and like, oh, he's got a twin, would you instantly think that that's going to come back later? Yes. I might, honestly. Yes. For a movie that's about confidence tricksters? Yes. Yeah. I think I, think I would. I think it's an interesting thing to set up and not use. I, it didn't stand out to me as being a huge problem. Just yeah, it's not like, I'm not walking away being like, this is the keystone that causes well, the entire movie to crumble. Just because, like, the, the twin doesn't really even factor into it that much, but it does just make it a bigger question of, if it wasn't going to really go anywhere why pulled the stunt you know like i said maybe it was just like someone wanted to have some fun in the edit or yeah <laughs> i'm also starting to wonder if maybe my other thing is so this i was looking up briefly just to see the screenwriter who adapted this his name is leonard spiegelgas spiegelgas i don't know how you pronounce it anyway <laughs> the only other thing that i mean he's he's done several other movies like he did leon and jersey i was a male war bride with Cary grant yep okay so he did that he did the adaptation of silk stockings and the thing that i probably know best is that he did the 60s adaptation of the movie gypsy with rosalind Russell, oh. where the major changes that he makes in that movie are just rejiggering the opening to swap around a couple of the songs and throwing in voiceover needlessly over several scenes, which sort of just makes me think maybe he's not that good of a writer. No, like maybe, maybe he's just someone who wants to come in and put a stamp on things, but doesn't really have a strong sense of how to do it. So he just starts kind of like lobbing in changes just for the sake of shaking things up. And so I don't know. I can't assume anything. I just find it very perplexing again that in a con movie, which involves you know, assumed identities of like rich people that it never comes back in any meaningful way that he is instead pretending to be a butler when also she actually was a lady's maid so why isn't right. she pretending to be a maid to this guy that would make sense I'm just well, saying I think that's highly unusual for a man to have a woman as his yes. like I know as his like primary yes yeah and I think that's perfect I, I think that's that I do agree with you there it would be profoundly weird but nonetheless yeah. she could still the given that the entire plot in America is show up endure yourself to this rich woman get one of you to work in the house and then you know go from there why isn't she like he well, also, trying to impress her as like this you know handsome British lord and then this other one comes in and is like it's a shame that I lost my job being a maid and he's like if only I knew a rich person in America who is looking for help and will hire people without questions let's not forget the other big reason yeah he's simping yeah, I know. Obviously, he's not he's gonna simping. let her be the maid. Yeah, also, I know. she wants to be the rich lady, and he's like, "Sure, I'll let." Yeah, you I know. Too. He's got that milk toast bullshit. Yeah. Listen, him, he's simping. Yes, he's, he's, yes, he's simping big time. Yes, that's all I had kind of had to throw in with like the weird complications. I don't that even know what we're supposed to be talking about. We're, we no, started talking I mean, about the source material, but we're but just then we, all over the. Well, place. We're, we're just talking we, about we, the plot. I mean, we talked. We talked about the source material. So this is what I'm saying for the plot.
plot. I'm saying that I think I, I kind of find the beginning to sort of slow things down almost to an unnecessary pace. I think that the casino bit is I think, profoundly yeah, unnecessary. I think, okay, yeah. I think I could handle one scene of them doing something in a foreign country. Yeah. I think I do not need the entire sequence of him getting her fired and she doesn't actually get fired but she says to her boss like I'm leaving because you distrusted me and then he's like let's go out to dinner and they accidentally start conning people I feel like I would be perfectly fine with all that happening off screen and instead you devote this time to them actually kind of building a rapport to like showing the established rapport that these two characters have because you see very little a lot of the rapport you see between the two of them is them talking about like hey did you get the diamond necklace this is how you get the diamond necklace are you going to get the diamond necklace I would like more of them actually kind of of engaging with each other on a sort of you know quasi romantic mm-hmm. level obviously you're not going to go too far because it was the 1950s set in the 1890s so mm-hmm. we can't go too nuts with that but I'm just saying you could have better spent time showing how the two of these people work and what makes them work potentially as a couple at the end of the movie than having a series of adventures where they're trying on funny outfits and bilking rich people out of poker chips or something I don't know I, just, I think so, the casino does give you some of that banter a little bit the bit in China where they're talking about like, well, we can't afford a first, we can't afford two right. first class cabins. So one of us is going to have to, well, you're going to have to go steerage because I'm not going to go steerage. Yeah. And I, they, ha- they they also do this thing later. There are other bits too. Like there's a bit that I don't think they fully cover where there's a, um, a coin toss where like at the dance, she gets cornered uh-huh. by both Juan and Mr. Collins. Right. And Nigel is there and Nigel's clearly trying to keep her away from Juan because right. he knows that she's too enamored with Juan. Right. And he's like, well, who are you going to dance with? And he's like, well, I could flip a coin because he's going to clearly rig the coin. Right, toss. of course, yeah. And she's like, well, how about I'll flip the coin? Yeah. He's like, he's like, I have to like, play the baller so we can't like get rid of it. And he's yeah. Like, she looks at the coin and she's like clearly hiding right. it. And she's like, oh, it's... It's Juan. It's Juan. Yeah. Well, what are the odds? <laughs> yeah. And he takes... And I have... I wanted... I wish that we got more you of it because I feel like... wanted... I feel like the co- the coin was also probably like one sided, like it's like a, some trick. Right, 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 right. Where it's like only. Two yeah, I mean, like that would be a fun little detail to like, especially if it was something that like he gave to her earlier on for yeah. some trick, and she's like, "Well, I happen to have a coin right here. Why don't we use this one?" He's yeah, like, he's "Ooh, like- <laughs> <laughs> why did I give her the coin?" <laughs> yeah, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, I think even if you opened it with you know a scene in Shanghai or a casino or some shit, it seems immediately that these people are on the level, and then you find out after they pull some sort of scam, like they run back to the hotel. And they're like, wow, yeah. like we made, you know, 300 pounds today or whatever the that's, fuck I mean, that's sort of basically, so the, that's how the play works and how the movie works, basically, where it's like... The older open, movie. Yes, the 30s movie. The 30s movie. Yes. Sorry, I have to keep saying that. But I, I, the last time is Mrs. Cheney. Yeah. The movie basically operates where you think that she's totally legit until after everyone leaves the party, all of her servants come out and just yeah. like collapse on the couch <laughs> and like take their shit off and she yeah. starts playing the piano and Charles sits like way too close to her next to the piano bench and she's like, oh, how about that necklace, huh? Yeah. See, I like, I already like this more <laughs> yeah, than having to like spend like 20 fun. some minutes of us explaining like, but how did they meet each other? It's like, like, I don't need you to show me how they met each other. I just want to know what they're like now. Especially, like, you can tell me how you met. I mean, this is a, this is, I think, in its best form should be about these two people and or her servants or whatever uh, trying to pull off a heist, right? And it's just strange well, that, I they, think, would, that yeah. they would want to take the slow road there. I think it, it depends what you want. I think, yes, that's definitely one thing that you could want from this movie. Or it could be a story about two people who are too fucking milk toast to tell each other that they love each other, eventually <laughs> having British. to... Yeah, too British. Yes, who... Yes. Too emotionally yes. constipated. Yes, that's right. To, to admit that how they feel for each other yeah. and then have to, like, finally fess up because, like, external forces 
are pushing them in separate directions. And eventually they have to just come up, you know, be honest with each other and be like, actually, I've loved you this whole time. And so have I, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So like, and it, you could also have those two be See, one of the same. This is like a matter of taste thing because yeah. you're describing this as like, you've talked about this as being something you don't like, but this is the kind of shit I was going to say eat for. See, that's what I was going to say, because I feel like the, the issue between you and me is that you love shit like this. Yes. And I have very little patience I for that bullshit. I, I have very little patience for two people just having no real reason to not tell each other how they feel. Except, give me that persuasion yeah. bullshit. Somebody that 28 years or however, how many years later is it? Like 10 years or something? Something like that. Yeah. 10 years later, meeting your ex and, and not not telling them for like 10 months. Like, yeah, I still like you, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I just have no patience but for that shit. you still have a huge lifelong crush on you. Yeah, and I still do. I, I don't necessarily agree to like straight up axe the, the sort of prologue. I don't mind having it there. I don't think it's. I think it could go. It could stay. But I. I definitely agree that like yeah. Let's get more of the two of if that's what you want the story to be about, which, which I fucking do. I mean, I think even if you wanted it to be more of a high story, you still want to know the interplay between these people, yeah. right? Like even if it's a like even if you look at something like Ocean's Eleven, it's like you want to know how these characters interact with each other mm -hmm. and like what each person is bringing to the table. So even if you you know if you want it to be a heist movie or if you want it to be like an unspoken romance movie, either way you should be focusing more on like these two people how they interact with each other instead of being like now will you leave this country please okay well we're just gonna go 500 <laughs> miles down the road yeah will you leave this country now okay wink wink was that was that supposed to be like i don't know it almost read to me as like being almost comedic like, i mean it, I think it, it wasn't like laugh out loud funny or anything but it was kind of amusing to have to like keep cutting to a new place i mean i that's you you could say not laugh out loud amusing is kind of my thoughts on this movie in general <laughs> but um <laughs> I think it's probably supposed to be a little bit of a joke, but it's also just kind of like tiresome. You know, right. I feel like you could easily do this in a, a dialogueless mm -hmm. montage where you just cut to, you know, like Shanghai, you show the two of them in a hotel, like flipping through money. And then like a, a Chinese police officer walks in and is like, yeah. and, they, and they have to go, they're like, uh oh, we got to go somewhere else. But it's like, you know, like Bombay, you show the two of them in another hotel, be like, ha money. Another police officer shows up and is like, guys, come I would on. love it if they were like in France or something. And then like a baguette with a police cap comes through the door. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, we have to go. Yeah. So that's kind of my, I, I think that probably boils down to much of my issues with the plot of this movie. I, I feel like it takes too long for things to get started. I feel like there are some needless complications thrown in here. And at the end of the day, I just can't bring myself to get that interested in the romantic uh -huh. connection between these two people because I don't get enough of them being like engaged with each other I, in a way that I find meaningful. I you think know? if we saw her express the kind of affection or even like half of the kind of affection he was expressing for her throughout the movie, I yeah. would buy their connection more. But as it is, it seems like it's a one-sided thing until the very end when it's most convenient for it to for have been. Oh, I've been in love I with you. Right. But, but again, also like why is it convenient for her at that point like like why no no narratively I don't no 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 I know but I'm just like why why does she what prompts her to realize it in the movie that like well I think that it's that that morning afterwards she's like running up and down the stairs no I'm saying the very end when she's like I've been in love with you the whole time I think that's what we're talking about okay like, well I, I, I meant well like at what point do you think in the movie she starts to realize well she says at the end that she's been in love with him the whole time yeah which I don't I don't believe I, yeah. I do think that her concern yeah. for him is most evident in the scene where she's like, yeah, I will steal the necklace for right. you. There is that, yes. That's, that's nuts. Right. Um, and you get a little bit, like, in the scene after she goes to Fernando Lamas' house 
and she comes back, like, you kind of get the feeling that between the two of them, it's like, oh, no, this is a complication that, like, yeah. Leah never anticipated. Yeah, and, and the, like, the, that moment is a little charged, too, where he comes in and is like, oh, did you have a nice date? Right. Um, and she's like, yeah, well, you know, he is a prince, and he's like, well, I, I'm also somewhat of a royalty myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I may not have money or title or anything, but I also important. Yeah. Yeah, they have that, that little conversation, and they, they, have a little, they share one little kiss there. But I do think that, yeah, there's, there's before then, there's not a lot, but I... But we, with regards to Chris saying, it was like, what prompts that? I think at the end, uh, however you want to do it, whatever she claimed that she'd been loving the whole time, mm-hmm. when the two guys show up the next day, which I kind of like this this notion that they were like, well, we talked it out, the two of us, right. us two guys, and we've decided that he's the better option, and I'm going to walk away, because I'm a huge simp, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm self-sabotaging. And she's like, quite rightly, like, oh, you've talked it out, yeah, right, assholes. Right. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do, I mean, I mostly just like that, like, they show up and are chummy with each other. Yeah. But I, I think I could probably even do without that whole thing where it's like, you should get with Fernando Lamas. And then she's like, I don't want to get with Fernando Lamas. And he's like, and that's my cue to exit. See ya. And just <laughs> yeah. steps away. So, like, I feel like you could even just sort of deal with, like, the both of them coming up and being like, because it doesn't really matter in terms of them saying, you should decide or not, you know? Because yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, she's going to decide anyway. So it's just a strange little thing where, once again, Nigel is, like, so much of a fucking simp but he's like, no, I won't even say it. <laughs> I, I just decided that he should be in love with you. I'm going to go die in a gutter. That's a fantastic simple <laughs> voice. Yeah, You're the really one who just said moratorium on that voice. No, what I said moratorium on the other voice you were doing. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is this is a wholly original creation. Wait, not this. <laughs> yes. Not this one. No. No, this, <laughs> this is a variation rest, on Droopy Dog. The rest of the yes. episode will be just like just this. Sim. It's singing on a voice. This is how I I would imagine it so would sound. Much anyway, yeah. so have we covered the plot, I guess, in all I respects? Think so. I think yeah. so. I do just want to point out that I, I kind of feel like the movie could have been shorter if we had less... Well, obviously cutting out the montage from the beginning, but I feel like there were many just, like, panning writing shots that felt like they went on for a while. I mean, there's... I, I assume a lot of that's in there because you want to show her having a nice time with right. Fernando yeah. Lamas, but I... Do you I, think uh, when the hat came off that that was an accident? I 100% think it was an accident, yes. Yeah. No. Or they, Ooh, they, they, right, they show a shot of them riding on horseback and all of a sudden her hat just like whoop, yeah. whips off and we just keep going because we didn't really have the time to do another shot. But yeah. um, I also think that like there there are a lot of moments like we had said that, that kind of just drag on too long for this movie. I think the dance is a little too long. Once again, the other rich people just don't matter enough. Either cut them out or make them matter and this movie does neither. You know, like they have a handful of scenes where you're supposed to kind of care about them. You're supposed to kind of care about the fact that one of them is writing this letter detailing everyone's awful nature yeah. so that he can give it to Greer Garson and win her over somehow, but secretly it's just so that Nigel has a contingency plan, I guess, but it doesn't matter anyway. I don't need this shit, you know? It's just, just make it matter or don't, but if not, then why are we spending time dealing with this? We could have, again, trimmed down um, 15 minutes of this movie by cutting that shit. Before we move on from plot, let me just get this on on the pod. Yeah. Um, that I've covered this, but the other big difference with Mr. Collins in that letter, because that is an element in the play in the right. movie, in The Last of Mrs. Cheney, but it's pretty big. So in the play in the movie, there's this other character who is, I think, Lord Elton in the play, and I don't know if his name is similar in the movie. I have no idea, but there's a rich guy. Mm-hmm. He's a... Imagine somebody who's just as eligible to marry, but he's uh, a huge drip and uh-huh. born, considered snobbish or just kind of unwant... Un, just not want... N- nobody wants him. Yeah. But very rich, uh-huh. very respectable, and and you know 
you know, you would be glad to have him financially. Right. And he's also quite older, I think, uh, at least in the third So you're movie. just kind of like tapping your wrist and being yes. like, come on. He's like, he's like middle-aged. Yeah. He's okay. not, like, not old. Okay. But anyway, there's, there's this character, and he is also pursuing Mrs. Cheney uh-huh. in the movie. And that is the Mr. Collins character uh-huh. that takes place. In the 37 movie, he is like... A weirdly kind of sweet and endearing in a weird way. Like, he seems genuinely interested in her. Uh-huh. He seems nice. Like, he seems more like Fernando Lamas, but, like, with none of the charm. Yeah. Uh, absolutely no charm, but just, like, nice. Genuinely wants to, to be with her. Thinks that, you know, he could support her really well. He's trying to propose to her. He kind of, like, can't get his words out. You guys, Again, I keep saying there's, like, vaguely autistic vibes about him where it seems like he just doesn't know what to say and what not to say out loud. Uh-huh. And he just writes this letter where, like, it just kind of accidentally, he just kind of, like, writes out, like, all of these horrible things about people. But it, you don't get the feeling that it's mean-spirited, uh-huh. that it's, like, him deliberately airing out people's dirty laundry. But it is sort of him trying to, like, speak out of concern for her uh-huh. because, like, he genuinely thinks that, like, these people... And they were in trouble. ...kind of are horrible people. Yeah. And he's just trying to, like, let her know that the proposal because he's especially worried about Lord Dilling because obviously Lord Dilling is aggressively pursuing her right um, and Lord Dilling is a known cad yeah um and so he does this and and Lord Elton is kind of a similar vibe I think but maybe not it's hard to tell from just reading the play if he's meant to seem nice or or dumb or uh-huh. boring but they really make him give him more of a heel turn and make him just truly repugnant in Juan the Lady with Mr. Collins yeah. Where he's just this, like, oh, well, I'm from Boston. Right, 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 right. He's kind of, yeah, he's sort of, like, just Tom insufferable and all. Yeah, 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 nobody likes him. Yeah. Yeah. And they have named him Mr. Collins, which is, like, a, just a... Feels like a... Well, um, it's a pride and prejudice. Right, 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 pride right. Prejudice. He's the, 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 the vicar who won't shut yes. the fuck up. Yeah, and it just seems like it. I, instantly we got him confused the other thing I just wanted to throw in real quick that I talked about briefly when we watched this and Chris had mentioned earlier too is that again this being based on a play and not based on another adaptation but there was another, two other adaptations called The Last of Mrs. Cheney and this is called The Law and the Lady uh-huh. which is an the title of an unrelated book by Wilkie Collins. I know uh-huh. nothing about it, but it is very strange to me that they stole the title of this unrelated book and applied <laughs> it to this part. And I understand, obviously, you can't call it The Last of Mrs. Cheney because there is no Mrs. Cheney in this. You could call it The Last of Lady Lovely or whatever. When you call a movie The Law and the Lady, in my head, what I'm thinking when we sit down to, for, when I sat down to watch this movie, I was like, okay, she has like her little simp who's aggressively into her, and then it's going to become a love triangle between her and like some detective or police officer who's investigating, like, all these people reporting how this, like, confidence tricksters have been bilking them out of sums of money all over Mm -hmm. Europe and Asia. And now it's like, oh, no, she's kind of falling for this member, you know, this, like, representation of the law, but she's also, she's also got this, like, simp dragging her down behind her. And so, it just, like, I, to me, this movie title immediately sets up a premise that it does not at all ever deal with. I suppose it deals with the law in the abstract sense and that she must get comeuppance at the end. But again, just a strange title like what a strange choice to rename that movie this i just again just add that to the long list of questions i want to dig up leonard spiegel guess and ask him like why the fuck did you do this little master necromancer our our mini episode is going to be me desecrating his grave (laughs) and then (laughs) asking questions yes um i looked up just to kind of get a cursory idea of what law and the lady is about it doesn't really have any relationship i assumed it didn't to the plot of the last of mrs cheney it kind of reminds me of how like 
they they took the title for Blade Runner from also completely right. unrelated work. Right, like, that's true. But they do establish that a Blade Runner is a thing in, within the in world a of movie. The movie. Right. So it's yes. not like it's like this complete nonsense phrase that's where true. no one ever mentions like the term Blade Runner at the end of the movie. Like, <laughs> wait, but why do they call it that? <laughs> like, I think it's perfectly fine if you want to just grab something else as long as it has some kind of relevance to the story that you're telling or something like that. And here I'm just sort of again, but why did you right. do such a thing? Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right. So we should do the characters, characters and like their acting, I guess, yeah, all at yeah. once. So do we start with, we'll start with the, the titular lady. lady? Yeah, the lady. Greer Garson. Greer Garson. Greer Garson is fabulous. Yeah, yeah I think anything. she I think she's good. I, I, I like I, all of her dresses. Yeah, I, I'm not... I, we, we talked about this also. I'm not really wild about the decision to change this to the late 1890s because my question, again, is why? But... I get if you like the fashion, this does something for you. I have no particular affection for the aesthetics of this time period. So again, it just looks like a lot of like ruffles and collars that does nothing for me. <laughs> that perhaps I would enjoy the aesthetics of this more if it were set in modern day or right. the 1930s or 20s or some shit. But it is what it is. It's fine. Yeah. I think I, I think she does good yeah. in this movie. I, you know, again, I my recurring theme is like, no one's bad. No one's no. bad here. I mean, I find her quite... I, I She, in general, um, she excels in these types of roles where she gets to play these kind of, like, sassy yeah. lady characters. She's quite good at that. Uh, it was fun to watch her face kind of just react to people a lot. Yeah, she um, does this very good, like, oh. Yeah. yeah. I see. Yeah, this was an aggressive, like, I would enjoy her more in other things than I enjoyed her in this, I think, sort of thing. But Yeah. yeah. Let's move on to... To the simp. Michael Wilde. The simp and the lady. <laughs> the simp and the lady. Listen, um, I went to watch more Michael Wilding films. He's in a lot of um, British films. I, yeah, I, I feel like I've seen him. I meant to look him because I feel like I've definitely seen him in shit before, but I can't think of who he is. Um, he's a really good, like, He was in, work. okay, he was in The Man Who Knew Too Much. Yeah. The Hitchcock, the 30s one, sorry yeah. to be quite clear. Uh, he's been in a couple of Hitchcock movies, it looks like. He was also in Stage Fright and Under Capricorn. I've seen Stage Fright. I've not seen Under Capricorn. Same. Maybe he just looks like someone I've seen in shit. Because he just has that very... He has a quintessentially British look to him, is what I would say. This this fellow is aggressively British. He's he's such a fucking simp in this movie. Like, and I, I, I won't say that he doesn't have a certain charm to him in that very sort of reserved, sexless British way. But it doesn't do a whole lot for me. And, like, I, yeah. again, I don't think this is a bad acting performance. I think this is just a thoroughly uninteresting character for yeah. me. There's a, a movie, a British movie that I really liked, um, similarly Brit- British as fuck, called right. English Without Tears. Sorry, say again? English Without Tears. Okay. Uh, and it's about, like, he plays, like, another butler who's, like, this ma- the woman, one of the ladies in the house, employers, like, is in love with him, like, the daughters or whatever. Uh-huh. And then he joins the war when the war happens, and like that kind of complicates their sort of weird romance that he's not really allowing because he's the butler. Uh-huh. It's very, it's very British. I mean, very it's, English. He he seems like a quintessentially British yes. performer in many respects. It's, he was also one of many men to marry Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah, one of the lesser Taylor husbands. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, essentially. <laughs> yeah, he's no Burton. He's no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Fernando Lamas, I guess maybe. Fernando Lamas. Yeah, he's handsome. He's I mean, he's, he's handsome. Yeah, he's charming. Love to see, love to see a guy playing a romantic lead like that. Right, exactly. Yeah. Not something you get a whole lot of. Yeah. Uh, you know, not not really like per se a three dimensional character. No, but but neither does it feel like he's being like lowered or denigrated by the role. I mean, and I feel right. like there are opportunities no. to do that with both the. Uh, 
the like guy who stab who was like goes to stab him wakes up and immediately yeah. tries to wakes stab up and immediately starts saying like oh it's you like but, puts the knife away. And yeah. also his grandmother like those are both opportunities that you really could that there I would have expected there to be some kind of pronouncedly racist performance, but yeah. that doesn't happen. Isn't it no. funny when we like look at old movies and we're like good job for not yeah. being well, like, yeah yeah thank right. you for not being excessively shitty yeah. here. Yeah, I, I was going to say like the thing that I I guess I kind of would comment on is nonetheless uh julia's character is still kind of like like oh like well whenever he shows up in greer garson's bedroom she's like oh like what do you expect with those like fiery latin types like, yeah. that's, yeah. that's how they always are when you let them into the house they yeah. start hearing bells right right and she has like that weird comment which i still don't get where she's like i've had it like i'm gonna kick them out of their house somehow which i don't quite understand yeah she but, seems to own their house I, I but like how could she i don't think it makes sense anyways so i guess i feel like the only the other character I feel like you have to say anything about is Julia Wharton at this point. Like she's a firecracker. Yeah, but she's, I mean, she's. It seems like you get her to do one thing. Right. Shout this lady. Yeah, you get her yeah. to be sort of like a blustering, out of place rich woman. Yeah, like I, she's clearly again like like she's very nouveau riche sort of rich person. Yeah. It's uh, for me. She was the at times the only source of humor. She yeah. was the raft that kept me from drowning. She was. <laughs> I just, I love that she shouted everything. I love uh, her big facial expressions, uh, especially in the beginning when you're seeing her outfits for the first time. And yeah. it's just like. Mounds of ruffles. Just mounds of ruffles yeah. and ribbons. And yeah. even like her, her nightgown that you see her wardrobe. in at one point. Yes. I hope so. <laughs> 100%. I hope, I hope she was like, oh, just her, wait till you see my nightgown. Her clothes, like, expand her mess. No, they yeah. do. It's like like, it's, it's like a, a cupcake or something. Yeah. She just, like, I flounces out. I think she's, out. like, a much smaller woman. Or, yeah, than you would think from seeing her. Do you remember the, balls of yeah. clothes. the dress you referred to as being the phoenix look? Yes. But <laughs> where it's, it seems to be... It almost looks like she's wearing an apron, but she's yeah, not yeah, wearing an apron. It has this, like, sort of wreath of... But, yeah. yeah. But then the there's, like, the sleeve and then like part of the skirt yeah. of a completely different f- it was so interesting Yeah, th- but she, is, she always looked absurd this is like, one of those times where like boy I wish this wasn't color just so I could see like yeah. what's going on here <laughs> I want to know what she's we doing we were doing color at 51 yeah, yeah we were it was it was clearly just like a choice either yeah. financial or artistic to do this in black and white and we are all the poorer for it the only the only other thing I have to say about her is maybe this was meant to be in her arc but she mm. definitely seemed to dislike kidneys at the beginning. <laughs> and at the end, she's like, hey, split one with me. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe the subplot is that just, like, there there was, like, a chef <laughs> character who was cut out. who's was like, like, please, oh, like, please, my kidneys. Please, my Julia, kidneys. try some kidneys. And she was like, I hate kidneys. I'm not going to try any of them. And then at the, like, <laughs> midway through the movie, she's like, wow, kidneys. And that's, like, her entire arc for the movie. Uh, I don't know. It would, would be pretty fun. I would love if the first time she was offered them, she's like, knees from a child? <laughs> I suspect she knows what a kidney is at this point. <laughs> I know, she's pretty dumb. <laughs> she is yeah. pretty dumb. Favorite character, best character, definitely uh, her. Yeah, she was fun. I also, and I, I do like that she has, like, kind of a genuine friendship with Gru Garson's yeah. character. No, I like, which, that's the which best is part sweet. of this movie, yeah. honestly, is the, the way that... It, what this movie does best, I think, is that element of it where it's, like, making her feel bad because Julia Warren's such a nice person. Right. I mean, like, that's the kind of, like, it's sort of, like, if you're going to be disgustingly rich, you should at least be, like, a fun, decent person, you know? Yeah. So it's, like, I like that that's the one that makes her think, actually, am I doing wrong yeah. at this Although point? she probably isn't. Although she is fun, I think that, like, the letter implies that she probably has done a lot of Yeah, I was a little unclear stuff. as to, like, what we were supposed to take from the reading of that letter that what she has done. There's just a lot of allusions to, like, her being 
on the Barbary coast. Right. I just imagine that she had a. What her, does that mean? Perhaps though? her had her hand in a lot of like maybe not directly but like just sanctioned a lot of armed conflict. Bad shit happened. Yeah, I was like, Heresy? yeah, that's what yeah. I was kind of thinking too. Um, or at the very least, her husband, right? Is yeah, the, yeah. They see her husband, so like maybe at the best. Well, because Mr. Collins she's, also said like she stole all of her money. He's like, well, you may not like how I made it, honey, right. but I've got it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I just want to. I just want to throw in a looking to score real quick here. Oh, yeah. This movie. <laughs> this movie deceives you from moment one, where you turn it on and start playing, and you start hearing an instrumental version of the Twelve Days of Christmas. So you think to yourself, "Oh, is this a tangentially Christmas movie? Is it perhaps just kind of set during Christmas?" No. no. <laughs> then in the next scene, you see Greer Garson's character humming the beginning of the 12 Days of yeah. Christmas. So yeah. maybe it is set in Christmas. It does not look particularly cold or snowy out, but I know it's England. England is not always a very snowy country. And then used many times throughout the movie during scene transition as underscores, we go back to the 12 Days of Christmas. <laughs> Why did yeah. we land on the 12 Days of My Christmas? My theory yes. is that Greer Garson made that acting choice. Right. She was just humming a that song. song. Yes. And this. The Whoever composed the movie afterwards was like, I have to base my whole score around. Yeah, this is the keystone to this movie. Yeah. Okay, I love how in the beginning, too, we were all trying to like come to an explanation. Like, well, maybe it is Christmas. And at that point, the culture didn't really have us decorating that much. Right. I mean, there's one where it's like, well, I know in England, it wasn't always like very Christmassy, even at Christmas at certain points. Like, had we reached that your, point your yet? First I don't know. In your- I guess with your crystals. Yeah, and I was kind of just... And then, like, the first time I watched this movie, again, much like me waiting for uh, Nigel to show up in disguise as his brother, I was like, is the necklace going to be called, like, the partridge necklace or something? And that's kind of why (laughs) they're using this as a musical thing? No, it's just there for some reason. Anyways, very deceitful trick movie. Zero stars. Cannot recommend. Yeah. I love it. So shall we move on to fixes? Yeah. I can... Go ahead. Start. Yeah, go ahead. Start. Mine is not long. Just based purely off of the, like, why do you make the choice to use Partridge or uh, 12 Days of Christmas? <laughs> I keep wanting to call it Partridge in a pear tree. Uh, but because of that, I'm. it is It is going to be a Christmas time, or at least it's going to take place at Christmas. I don't know if I would refer to it as a Christmas movie. Uh, but you know what? I've always thought Die Hard, Die Hard right? is kind of a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's a hot take. Oh, my God. I'm very unique. I've never heard anyone say No, I'm a little scared. Like me. I'm a stinker. Oh, my God. You're such. You're so stinky. <laughs> Such a stinky baby. Go take a shower. Go ahead. Wow. <laughs> I do want to keep the necklace kind of in play as the thing that everyone wants. Mm-hmm. Um, I want it to be a gift that <laughs> Ma Kettle is getting from Pa Kettle. He's still he's alive this time. Played by the same actor who plays Pa Kettle, I hope, in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Greer Garson and Wilding, they are ex-partners slash lovers. Ex-partners and ex-lovers. Yeah. Ex-partners in both sense of the word? Yeah. Okay. Ex-partners both in thievery and sex. That's what I said. Um, (laughs) uh, Anyway, what I want to have happen is basically... And uh, this would also go for Fernando Lamas's character. There's like a big Christmas party that uh, Ma and Pa Kettle are throwing. And Greer Garson realizes when she sees Wilding there, and he's presented as just like another friend of the couple or whatever at their Christmas party. I think it, what she will eventually realize is that a lot of the people who are there are thieves who have kind of wormed their way into the inner circle because they want up that fucking necklace, man. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of the love triangle between 
the the three that we get in the movie. Um, but I would love for it to be resolved as they just decide to split the necklace and become a throuple. Mm-hmm. Who is they? Uh, Greg Garrison, Wilding, and Lamas. Okay. I fly under the haze code? Huh? That fly under the haze code? <laughs> this is this is this is fantasy, okay? Okay. The reason Lamas wants it is because, you know, his family was rich, they are no longer they're like behind on the rent to Mom Pa Kettle. To the pigs that own the farm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every day a pig in a suit just shows up at the door. And yeah. ho- hopes that holds up. Hopes that holds up its clothing. And then they just they just tuck money in between its little clothes. <laughs> the pig throws the coin back at them, starts that's <laughs> <laughs> away. Anyway, yeah, that's mine. Nice. Alright, I got mine. This is pretty simple here. First of all, I'm gonna drop the period setting because as I said it does nothing for me so I think if you want to keep it contemporary in the 1950s that's fine if you wanted to do it in the 1930s or late 20s that's fine as well too it doesn't really matter uh, I want to remove the prologue entirely and just yeah. imply that there's more of a history between these two characters through their actions and words than by showing these series of scenes of them getting kicked out of places I do not think they are twins in this because I cannot justify for a while I was like oh is the guy going to show up and impersonate his brother in my version and then I just decided I don't care enough to do that so there is just simply no twin subplot in this. What I think it's going to be is I'm going to put an added emphasis on the earrings that Greer Garson's character has that she's been parading around oh, where it's yeah. kind of like like these earrings are also like very fancy earrings and like when randos see her they're like oh are these Lady Lovely's like legendary whatever earrings and she's like you know they are bitch and like sparkles at them. This is like kind of like this character's calling card like this is part of her mystique where everyone's like oh my god like she's so rich look at her fucking earrings aren't they fucking great and so she and um, Nigel decide to con the again the necklace off of this old lady Julia and I think most of it's going to proceed sort of similar to that except again without the subplot of these other random rich people who are there and also doing shitty things and deceiving themselves and writing letters to blackmail each other blah 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 I don't care about that I think there's still going to be a secondary rich couple who's staying with Julia throughout all of this going on then at the end what we discover is really going on is that secretly Julia and Fernando Lamas are also jewel thieves and they're trying to steal the earrings from Greer Garson as Greer Garson is trying to steal the necklace from her and the, two, the other rich couple who are there have been trying to steal both of them so it's kind of just like this constant back and forth where like part of act three people are just kind of like moving one set of jewels to another where like people are like passing them off in each other's hands and then like someone else happens to notice them and is like oh yoink and grabs them out and like doesn't see where they're going and so at the end it's kind of like we decide to call this whole thing off because we're all shitty like thieving people we're all kind of as the movie would say dirty rotten scoundrels the scum of the earth <laughs> And so I think at the, the, the end, they kind of just decide to all team up the six of them and become Greer Garson six and travel throughout uh, Europe and America, bilking rich people out of jewels for I the fun of that. it. Yeah. In case you can't tell, I wanted this to be a heist. Mm. All right. I don't have a lot of depth or plot to mine. Um, but I have details. I, I, I have no problem with Fernando Lamas, but I'm moving it back to England because I just don't think... I just think it's written... It's too built in t- to be British. It is a strange choice to, to um, make something so quintessentially British yeah. American. So I, I want the love interest to be... I thought about... Could, I, could, it, could he still be that character and be Latino and also be sort of witty? But then I feel like it would sort of drift into this like weird negative stereotype. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no, I'm going to go back to him being a British... It's such a st- it's such a solid trope to have this like British noble who wastes like a wastrel. Yeah. 
Um, so I'm back to that for Lord Dilling, somebody who like hasn't done like a solid day's work in his life mm-hmm, right. and just has all this money and just got soft hands. Yeah, he's got soft hands. <laughs> drinks drinks too much. Blah blah blah. And I I keep a, I really want to cue to some of the elements I liked in the 37 movie where there's a lot of there's a lot more dialogue I would say between Lord Dilling and Charles the Butler than there is between him and uh, Faye Channing. Sometimes where like. He, they have a lot of talk, and at one point he even tells her, like, yeah, I really like your butler. <laughs> like, your butler's a pretty cool guy. I really think I know, I've met him somewhere before. And they all, like, the three of them all just, like, vibe really well together. Um, so I am kind of going back to this, like, kind of kind of poly vibe, I think, between the three of them. Hell yeah. Um, because I just, they just, it just, it really get that vibe. There's even a scene in the movie where after everything kind of shakes out and everyone kind of realizes like, well, this is where we're at. Like the burglar has been wrong. Everyone's been alerted to the situation and Lord Dilling, who is in love with Faye and doesn't want her to go to jail is like, listen guys, uh, me and this real servant are going to sit here and watch her and everyone else can go to bed. And when everyone else goes to bed, he's like, okay, real servant, I need you to go make a phone call right now. And then as soon as he leaves, Charles shows up because he's been hiding in the curtains the whole time. <laughs> And, and Lord Dilling is like, all right, now we've got to get the two of you out of the house because obviously they don't want you to get arrested. And they're like, well, we're not going to leave. I don't want to leave. And I'm done with that. They all just sort of sit down and, like, they each get out a cigarette and, like, he just, like, <laughs> lights a cigarette for all like, – Lord Dilling lights a cigarette for all three of them. And they're all just like, what do we do now? Um, and it just gives us, like, again, this vibe of, like, we're all in this together now, I guess. Uh-huh. So I really like that. And I, I want to play with the idea more of having Lord Dilling kind of like, I don't know, earn some sort of comeuppance. Yeah. In the play, they are stealing from his aunt, technically, or a relation to him. So I probably would change that. But I like the idea that maybe part of the reason why, not like you're excusing his kind of shitty behavior, but maybe part of the reason why he is such a shithead in the beginning is because, like, he's never had a reason to care about anything because he's never had to work for anything. And, it, you know, the whole money is kind of like having everything handed to him has just left him kind of like with all Blase. Right. Blase. And, like, meeting these people who he finds out are, like, actually thieves is, like, actually kind of exciting. Yeah. He's like, you know what? Actually, fuck my rich life. I don't care. I actually don't give a shit about it anyway. It really made me happy. I'm gonna help them steal some shit <laughs> and just decides to, like, go with them in the end to become a true thief with them. And is, and is quite good at it. And then it sort of ends with the three of them deciding to steal stuff together. I like that. Stealing is fun. I appreciate yeah. that Stealing we can all agree. I appreciate yeah. that this is the second movie in a row that has inspired some kind of polycool thruple tick. Yeah. Uh, I believe that a couple is two There's... people and no one else. So I said, said polycool thruple. Yes, I know. I'm just saying that I believe that no more than two people should ever be in a relationship at the same time. <laughs> so none of my fixes will ever have this. There's also it's a... Um... simply against nature. <sighs> and that, as they say, is the What's last, the last of Mrs. Cheney? Yeah. Just one last thing. Did we, would you recommend this? Well, movie? it's very hard to find this movie, so... Yeah, you, first, yeah <laughs> you, you, you can rent it digitally, so there there is that. Yeah. You need There's, to really want it. Yeah. I, I would say no. I don't think it's particularly funny or fun. And that's kind of the two things. For If it were to be the sort of movie about the bantering relationship between these two people, it's not charming enough for it to work for me. If it were to be a heist movie, it's not fun or entertaining enough. So... No, yeah. this this is a no for me. I definitely wish it were more ridiculous. Yeah, I enjoy it a lot, but it's got a lot. It had there's a lot in it for me. There's there's British people. Being it is it is aggressively up your alley. Yes. So um, if you're into that type of thing, it's good. It, it's for me. It was when I was a kid, and as now, 
it is delightful to see someone who you're walking in and you're like, this guy's not going to win. Right. Love triangle. And he fucking and then he wins. Does. He's too simple. He's, he's too, too, he's it's too. the meme of you spitting out your cereal. Like, this guy will never, <laughs> this guy will never win Greer Carson. <laughs> yeah. It is, yeah. That's it. Okay, well, you know, come back at us in two weeks. Draftpack.com is the website. Facebook.com slash Podcast. Yeah, you know what? Page. I don't have to do something with the website or we should stop recommending it. And just I mean, I just, be, the only thing I say about it is because like, for whatever reason, half of our episodes don't show up in a standard podcast I know, but what, when I, so I don't know if it's a, an issue that I have to fix somehow um, with my knowledge that I should have that don't. But when you go to try, when I try to go to Drat Pack from my work laptop, yeah. I get denied. <laughs> That's unusual. Doesn't do that for me. <laughs> well, I, it's some sort of we don't have HTTPS protocol. I think. Well, that is. I know that is a thing with our website. Yeah. Yes, so but, I think we might need that. All right. But a lot of a lot of VPNs will demand yeah, that. We got to work that out. Anyways, <laughs> we got a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. Two weeks. Many episodes. Oh, bye. bye. bye.